Come on, how's everyone doing today? Wow, it's great to see every one of you. I'm going to let you into a secret. I know I've said this before, so I guess it's not really a secret. But the quieter you are, the louder I'm going to, pr- the longer I'm going to preach. So I'm used to people helping me preach. Is that cool? And wow, it's so good to see every one of you. What an honor. Derek and Maggie have to be the greatest hosts ever. They are phenomenal. I love them. And just so you know, I am their favorite nephew. Just want you to know that. And, um, and just th- that, that's not up for debate. That's just fact. That's just true. And it's great to be here. Great to be here with my beautiful wife, Kelly. I'm, I'm an overachiever, and I love that. And I've got, um, how many of my kids? I've got three of my six kids. My oldest three girls are not able to be with us. They've got work and just different things going on, but thank God my three youngest. So I've got Judah James, as you saw. I've got Luke in the house. My goodness, he's not little anymore. He's big Luke. And then beautiful Molly, and then a grandbaby. So there you go. And, and so what I, I know what you're thinking, too young to be grandparents, and you're right. That's the truth. And, uh, but we're so glad, and Victor's with us too, so we're so glad. But it's great to see every one of you, and I'm honored to be able to share the gospel with you. I love to be able to just speak the truth of God's word. And I just really believe I've got a word for you today. I really do. And I believe it's going to touch every one of you. In fact, some messages you preach, you know it's not going to hit everyone. But this is one of those messages that I know it's going to hit every one of you. Because today we're going to talk about worry. Worry. W-O-R-R-Y. Anyone in here ever worry about anything? Okay. Everyone else who didn't lift up your hand, we're going to pray for you because you need Jesus. Because you just lied in church. Because every one of us worry from time to time. And we're going to talk about what God's Word says and the hope that we can have in God's Word. Just put your hand on your heart. You're going to pray for yourself. The Word is going to go out. That's the seed. But your heart is the soil that needs to receive it. And you're going to pray that God would open up your heart to receive. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you for the privilege that we have to be in your house today. And God, we pray that we would open up our hearts to receive the best that you have for each and every one of us. God, we're not here to waste your time, and we know you're not here to waste ours. And God, we pray right now that you would touch us, that you would never, God, God, that we would never be the same again, that we won't leave here the way we came in, but we'll leave here changed, transformed, and renewed in Jesus' name. Come on, shout amen in the house. Come on, high five two people around you and say, don't worry, be happy. Come on. Here's a little song I wrote. You might like to sing it note for note. Don't worry. Come on. No, but we talk about worry, but worry is a massive issue that we all face in our lives. In fact, I preached this message about three weeks ago to our church, and I was actually worried about preaching the message. And I said to Kelly, I'm kind of worried about preaching this message. What do you think? And she said, well, what's the message on? I said, worry. And I'm like, I'm worried about worry. What's up with that? And then we were reading Judah's Bible that night, and and the story is on worry. And I was like, God, that's the message. And I just really believe there's a word for you in this today. And what we've got to realize is when Jesus ministered on this earth, everywhere he went, lots of people went with him. Come on, the crowd surrounded him. In fact, the King James Version says he was thronged. That word thronged means like being pressed, like a wine press where you would crush down the grapes. The people were trying to get to Jesus so much, they were pressing him, they were crushing him. The desire, the love they had just to be around, they just wanted to be near him. 
whether they were young, old, all kinds of people. There was the sick, there was the well, there was the happy, there was the sad, and there was the worried people. You see, worry is an issue that they faced back then, and it's still an issue that we face today. We're worried about a lot of things. What if I don't have enough food? What if I don't have the right clothing? What if I run out of money? What if there's not enough and everything goes wrong? Then will I be all right? What, what, what? Worry, 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 worry. Anyone say that sounds familiar? Because we know that. But Jesus saw their need. He heard their concerns. And what I love is this. Jesus didn't say, hey, I'll check you back later. See you. Jesus sat down. And spoke exactly to their concerns and to their needs. And he began to speak to them about worry. And we see beginning in verse 25, Jesus said, Therefore I say to you, do not worry. One thing you've got to realize about God's word is anything that's in there is fully possible. God doesn't ask us or tell us to do something that he just frustrates us because we're not able to do it. Now I didn't say it would be easy. But Jesus said, we are not to worry, so therefore it's possible that we shouldn't worry. He goes on to say, don't worry about your life and what you will eat and drink. Don't worry about your body and what you will wear. Is not life. Think about what worry attacks. It attacks the quality of your life. It wants to steal from you your joy and your peace. Jesus said, is not your life more than food and the body more than clothing. Two things, life and the body. What the worry wants to attack and to destroy. And here's what I want to do today. I've brought Judah's Bible along with me, or some pages from Judah's Bible. I want to read the story from Matthew chapter 6 from Judah's Bible. Is that cool? Because I think you can learn so much stuff. And so Jesus sat down and he taught them a lesson. So can I just sit down and just read it with you today and listen? It says, when Jesus saw all the people, his heart was filled with love for them. They were like a little flock of sheep that didn't have a shepherd to take care of them. So Jesus sat them all down and he quietly and gently began to talk with them. The people sat quietly on the grassy mountainside and they listened. From where they sat, they could see the blue lake that was glittering below them. They saw the little fishing boats coming in from a night's catch, and the spring air was fresh and clear. See those birds over there, Jesus said, and everyone looked. Little sparrows were pecking at seeds along the stony paths. Where do they get their food from? Perhaps they have pantries stored up. Perhaps they have cabinets full of food, and everyone laughed. Who's ever seen a bird carrying bag of groceries. No, Jesus says, they do not need to worry about any of that, because God knows what they need, and God feeds them. And what about those wild flowers over there? And everyone looked, and all around there were flowers growing, daisies, and buttercups, and beautiful white lilies. Where do they get their lovely clothes? Do they make them? Or do they go to work every day and so they can buy them? Do they have closets full of clothes? And everyone laughed again. Jesus said, who's ever seen a flower putting on a dress? No, Jesus said, they don't need to worry about that. Why? Because God clothes them in royal robes of splendor. Not even a king 
is as well-dressed as them. They had never met a king, but they gazed out over the lake, glittering and sparkling below them. They looked at the hillside, dressed in red, purple, and gold, LSU colors. That was for Zach. They felt a great burden lift from their hearts. They could not imagine anything more beautiful. Little sheep, Jesus said, you are more important than these birds. You are more important than all of these flowers. The birds and the flowers don't sit down and worry about things. And God doesn't want his children to worry either. God loves to look after the birds and the flowers. And God loves to take care of and look after you. I think sometimes when you read in the simplicities of these stories, it brings it to a greater light. And you begin to realize the love and the compassion and the care and that God has everything taken care of. We worry about the smallest things, but yet God says, hold on, I can take care of you. I can handle it. I've got it going on and I can take care of every one of your needs. And then he ends the story with this verse in Luke or Matthew 6, 33. He says, but seek ye first the kingdom of God. You see, that's the key. If we're not going to worry, we've got to seek God. We've got to know God. And all these things will be added to your life, not subtracted. That's what worry wants to do. It wants to take from your life, but God says, I want to add to your life and I want to give to your life. Can we just be honest? Because we're in church. It's a good place to be honest, don't we? As Christians, we know we're not supposed to worry. We know that we're supposed to have faith and trust in God. We know that that's not supposed to be a part of our lives. So when it is, we kind of live a little bit ashamed. Come on, we feel sometimes a spiritual failure. Why didn't I trust you, God, with those things? And even when everything is going well, we still have the tendency to worry about that because sometimes things are going too good. We can worry when there's nothing even to worry about. So today I'm going to break the message into two parts. And I hope you're taking notes. I would really be worried if you're not taking notes. Because I've said this many times. But man, you're less likely to go to hell if you take notes in church. That's all I'm saying. It would be a sad thing, wouldn't it? To find yourself in hell and say, why are you here? Well, I just didn't take notes in church. Why are you here? I murdered someone and I did his wow. Come on, watch out. But take some notes because you're going to need this, I'm telling you. But we're going to talk about, break this message down into two parts. The things I cannot change and the things I can change. You see, there's some things that I cannot change. I cannot change the heart of man. Only God can do that. So there's some things that only God can do. The miracles that I need God to do. But there are also some things that require my action. And some things that I can change and what I can do. So the first part of the message today is what I cannot change. Again, people say, man, pastor, come on, let's just get real. What's the big deal all about worry? It's a battle that we all face. and So it's so easy to excuse it, accept it as normal day living. But that's not what Jesus said. Jesus says, do not worry. And in fact, if you would use, read that passage in Matthew 6, he doesn't just say it once. He says it twice. If it's in God's word once, you better take note, but if it's there twice, it's really important. And he tells us not to worry, because worry is actually a really big deal, because not only is it not good, it does a lot of harm. It hurts our bodies, it hurts our relationships, and most importantly, it will attack our faith in God. Come on, worry is a problem, and worse than that, worry is a sin. 
Worry is a sin. In fact, here's one of the greatest definitions of worry I have ever heard. Worry is the sin of distrusting the promises and the power of God. Oh, it's not a sin. Oh, yes, it is. Because we are doubting, we are distrusting the promises and the power of God. You see, when I worry with my words, my thoughts, my actions and my attitudes, here's what I'm really telling God. God, I don't trust you with that thing. Oh, no, Pastor, I'm just worried. No, no, listen to me. We're saying to God, I don't really trust you with that particular thing. Because I'm having to worry about it. I'm having to concern myself. We're saying, God, I don't think you're even able to handle that and to take care of that. And we've got to be so careful because on Sunday, we're claiming that God's omnipotent. You know what that means? You're all powerful. God, you're all powerful. We sing about it. We worship about it. Come on, we sing about him being everywhere present. Come on, he's omnipresent. He's not divided amongst us. I have all of God and you can have all of God. He's omniscient. What does that mean? He knows everything. Oh, we worship that God and we lift our hands and we sing all about it and say glory, amen. Glory, hallelujah. But the worry of our life tells a different story. You know what worry says? You can't handle my life. God, you can't handle the circumstances around me. Worry. 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 You see, if we leave worry unchecked in our life, it will have nothing but a detrimental effect upon you. And it won't only hurt you, it will hurt the world around you. It impacts your kids, it impacts the people at work, your spouse. Your neighbors, they're like, oh, here they come, get out of the way. Thank God for caller ID from some people. You know what I'm talking about? Yeah, looking at me crazy. You know that. You're not, oh, I haven't got time for that person right now. Just, eh. Listen to what Craig Rochelle says in his book, The Confessions of a Pastor. He says, if you worry about your spouse's fidelity, your very attitude is almost certain to cause marital conflict. If you worry about your kids' safety, it may hurt your own health. If you're consumed with worry about your future, you may miss out on living today. But most of all, if you continue to live gripped by worry, you will miss the glory of knowing and trusting in God's goodness. So what do I do, Pastor? Help me. God wants us to trust him because as our faith grows, as my faith begins to expand, guess what happens to worry? It has to shrink. It has to go. So God wants my faith in him to expand and grow so there's no more room for the worry and the concern. So I'm going to look deeper today. We've got three parts under this first part. Are you ready? So here's the first one. You've got to quit the what ifs. You've all, you've all been there. You've all played that. Well, what if my car breaks down? What if I lose my job? What if I get sick? What if my, what if, I've got the answer. You ready? What if God? Come on, you're a quiet crew today. Come on, what if God? Well, what if I get sick? God's your healer. Come on now. Well, what if I lose my job? God's able to provide. He owns the cattle on a thousand hills. What if I have family issues? God? What if God? God, God. You see, we've got to watch the focus of our minds. Let me explain that. In Luke 21, Jesus is sitting down with his disciples, his boys one day. 
And he's talking to them and he's telling them about what's about to happen. And in fact, he used the word hardships. There's some hardships that are going to come. And he begins to spell them out for them. He begins to talk about, you're going to have some false prophets come. You're going to have some storms. You're going to have some earthquakes. You're going to have some problems in life. There's going to be famines. There's going to be pestilence. It's not looking really good. Quite a list right there. And he's not finished yet. And he goes, and P.S., you're going to be persecuted for being a Christian, my follower, a Christ follower. So all around you, there's going to be trouble. There's going to be persecution. I'm reading that, and I'm getting worried about it. You know what I'm talking about? Just being honest. I'm like, I don't like that. But look what Jesus taught them. In the midst of everything they were going to face, Jesus said to them in Luke 21, verse 14, he says, but make up your mind not to worry when? After? Before. During? Beforehand. Come on, say with me beforehand. beforehand. Come on, it's on the screen, so I know you can read it. Say with me beforehand. You've you got to make up your mind before the trouble comes. What you're going to do with it. You've got to make up your mind where you're going to send those thoughts. What you're going to allow those thoughts to be in your life. Come on, before they come, decide ahead of time. Before anything happens, what am I going to do? I've got to decide and say, you know what? God, I'm going to trust you with those things. God, I'm not going to worry. God, I'm not going to dwell on what can go wrong like we often do. God, I'm going to trust you. Listen to this story. Are you ready? I read your email the other day. I heard about a young woman who was a chronic warrior. She worried about the weather. She worried about her family. She worried when there was even nothing to worry about. This warrior, however, had a very wise father who finally said to his daughter, come over this afternoon and we'll get together for one hour and just sit down and worry. <laughs> Without thinking, the daughter blurted out, that's the stupidest thing I have ever heard. Sitting around for an hour, won't wor worrying won't do any good. You see, when we begin to think about it and put it that way, we begin to realize something. Worry never changes anything for good. So why should we worry and waste our lives doing something that is useless? Matthew 6, 27, Jesus says, Can all your worries add a single moment to your life? One translation says, Can any of you by worrying add a single hour to your life? But I'm telling you, you can sure waste a whole lot of hours. You can sure waste a lot of sleep and have sleepless nights and concerning yourself frantically as you are consumed by that thing. You see, when we worry, we're actually playing into the hands of our spiritual enemy, the enemy, the devil. Because he uses worry as a tool of fear. Why? Because he wants to distract us from God's best. It's a tool of fear. It's to distract us. You see, fear and worry are a lot like a scarecrow. When I grew up in England, there was a lot of scarecrows that people would have in their fields. A lot of people had vegetable gardens. And they would have a scarecrow kind of take two little... <coughs> sticks and put them together, put a little hat on and just like a little jacket and it would just flap in the wind. And what would happen when the wind would begin to flap it, the birds would take off because they were afraid of it. But it was amazing to think this. A scarecrow could actually do no harm. 
It couldn't jump out and slap them. It couldn't like get them or kill them or destroy them. It was powerless. All it could do was what the wind and nature around it caused to happen. But guess what? The birds didn't know that. The birds didn't know. And we see a similar story of this in Jeremiah chapter 10 and verse 5. And Jeremiah is talking about the, the comparison between false gods and the great God, Jesus Christ, the, the Savior of this world. And he begins to talk about the enemy's greatest threats. And he said these words, the enemy's greatest threats, they're like a scarecrow in a cucumber field. Their idols cannot speak. They must be carried and placed because they cannot walk. And what does he say? Do not fear them because they can do you no harm. Neither can they do you any good. That's the worry of our life. It can't harm us unless we allow it to. It doesn't have to be in control of our lives unless we allow it to. But what does it do? It doesn't do any good to your life. And think about this. If the birds would finally figure it out, a scarecrow would just be the tip-off that that's the best corn right there. Think about that. It's the tip-off. It's where the best is, but yet because of fear and worry, they're afraid and they stay away. Why? Because worry will keep you from God's best in your life. I want to say that again. Worry will keep you from God's best in your life. It will scare you away. So what have you got to do? You've got to decide ahead of time that when the troubles come, I'm not going to worry about it. In fact, I tell my church this. Are you ready? Worry needs to be the alarm clock when you need to pray. Anyone remember those old alarm clocks? Annoying things. My kids used to sleep through those. I cannot imagine why. It's amazing. They would sleep through those alarm clocks, but they can have their cell phone beside them, and it just vibrates, and they wake up now. What's up with that? I mean, come on. But it needs to be an alarm clock. We need to set our minds that when worry becomes to come in, we need to say, hold on a second, I'm going to pray. I'm, I'm going to give it to God. Come on, I'm going to surrender it to God. Even MC Hammond knew that. Come on, he said you've got to pray just to make it today. Some of you remember that. You've got to pray. You've got to give it to God. So here's the next point. Quit the what-if games. And the next point is you don't just stop worrying. You've got to replace that thought. You see, if you just tell someone to not think about something, what are they going to do? Think about that something. So it's not enough just to say, don't worry. You've got to replace that worry with truth. You know when people meditate? They think meditation is emptying yourself. No, it's not. You have to get out so you can replace it with the good. And it's the same in ourselves. We've got to empty our minds of that which is negative and wrong and worrisome and burdensome. We've got to empty our minds of that so what? So we can replace those with something else. You know what you need to replace those wrong thoughts with? God's promises. God's promises for your life. You need to read God's word, man. His word is so awesome. Come on, if I'm sick, he says, I'm your healer. Come on. He, he says, if I lack in my life, no good thing would he withhold from those who walk uprightly. Come on. He, he, he's a good God. I've got to know his promises and stand on those promises. You see, those wrong, fearful, and condemning thoughts must be replaced with God's faithfulness. Come on, has God been faithful to you? Has God been faithful? If God never did anything more, could you complain and say he wasn't good enough? 
So you've got to replace that with his faithfulness because every one of you were facing a situation, whether it was two months ago, three years ago, you thought you weren't going to make it through. Guess what? You made it through. God was faithful. So you've got to remind yourself about the faithfulness of God because if he did it before, sure can. He can do it again for your life. Let me give you an an example. I read a a story about an an extreme skiers. Have you ever seen those extreme skiers where they'll go up on helicopters? You ever seen that? And they'll actually drop out of helicopters on the top of mountains. It's absolutely incredible to watch. It's not groomed slopes where they've cleared all the rocks and the trees and everything's nice. They will drop them in remote areas. And the more remote, the more great and and crazy it is. Well, one day they were interviewing one of these skiers. And they asked the question, how do you stop from crashing? I mean, that's a good question to ask, isn't it? I mean, how do you make it down? How do you not crash? And I love her answer. Look what she said. I look for the spaces between the trees. I'm just going to hold there for a second because you've got to catch this truth right now. Instead of looking at what she didn't want to hit, oh, there's a rock, there's a tree. What did she do? She aimed her eyes where she wanted to go. You see, you'll go where you're looking. You'll follow what you see. And so if you're looking at the trees and the doubts and the fears, because come on, let's just be real. You can see the problems, and if there are no problems, you can make some problems, and you can create problems. You can begin to see those things. But you've got to begin to look away and train your thoughts and your mind to steer away from those things and instead look towards the safety and the success. You see... Life is challenging, but here's a truth to help you today. Are you ready? Stop looking at the problem or for a problem, but instead look to the solution. Here's your solution, Jesus. You've you got to see Jesus. When you read your Bible, find Jesus. He's in there. Come on, I said find Jesus. He's in there. Look to Jesus, the solution to every problem you can have, because that's where we're going to see God's promise of security, blessing, protection, provision, guidance, wisdom, and love. So here, ask yourself a question today. Everyone, what do you think your doubt does to God's heart? What, what, What do you think is going on when you worry about those things? Well, how do you think God feels when you don't trust him at his word? When you distrust his power and his promises? Oh, pastor, I'm just worried. Exactly, that's what it's doing. When you worry instead of believing God. Can I tell you what it does? It breaks his heart. It saddens his heart. Because he knows he has the peace and the comfort and the strength that if you'll just trust him, he can help you. I love this quote. Are you ready? The beginning of anxiety is the end of faith. Come on. And the beginning of true faith is the end of anxiety. And you've got to realize that for your life. Why? Because worry will bring turmoil. But faith brings peace. Worry will take you from God, but faith will draw us to God. Worry changes nothing for good. But faith moves God's heart and can change everything 
for the better. So what have we got to do? We've got to decide before. You know what? When those things come, God, I'm going to trust you. And then we need to replace those wrong things with the promises and the truth of God. We've got to train our minds not just to not think about those things, but to focus in on God's promises. And I've got a great verse for you for that. Are you ready? Isaiah 26 and verse 3 says these words. You will keep him in perfect peace. Whose mind is fixed, stayed, steadfast. Not here, there and everywhere. What are we concerned? Trust me. Everywhere. You will keep him in perfect peace. Whose mind is what? Stayed. Fixed. On God. Why? Because he... Trust him. Last point of part one. You've got to hand them over to God. You've got to quit the what ifs. You've got to replace the thoughts and you've got to give them to God. You've you got to hand them over to God. You've got to give them to God and don't take them back. 1 Peter 5 verse 7 tells us you've got to cast all your care upon him. Why? Because he cares for you. He's interested in you. He loves you. He, he wants the best for you. He takes care of you. A lot of people say he's a bad God. No, he's a good God. Yeah. And he wants to take care of your life and take care of you. Another translation says you've got to give him all your worries and all your cares. Because he cares for you. That word care is actually broken up in two Greek words. The first is merero. It means to divide. The second word is nous, the mind. Notice worry wants to divide the mind. What does James say about a double-minded man, a divided mind? You will be unstable in all your ways. There will be instability in your life, in your thinking, in your actions, and everything about you. So what does it denote? It denotes us being distracted, burdened, and worried to be anxious. What? Beforehand, we just talked about that. So before those things come, we've got to settle our minds and say, God, they're going to come, but God, I'm going to trust you. I'm going to trust you. You see, the picture of this verse is literally this. Thank you, Paul. It's like someone standing at the side of a lake and taking a rock in your hand and wheeling back and throwing that rock as far as you can into the middle of the lake. Guess what happens? Even if you want to find it, you can't find it because it's gone. It's out of sight. And that's what it means to cast our cares on God. Here's what a lot of us do. Come on, did you catch that? Well, some of us do this. Put it in our pocket. We've got to stand and we've got to release that thing and we've got to let it go. Because that's what God... And you're looking at me and I know it's easier said than done. And it's amazing how many times we pray. Here's how we pray. You ready? God, I know you can do all things, so I give you the problem. I know you can handle it, but then five minutes later we're, we're worrying about it again. We're like, God, I don't know. I don't know if you can even save them, God. Come on, hello. We're trying to, and if we're not taking it back, here's what we're doing. We're trying to manipulate and control the situation. We say, God, I give you my kids, but we're trying to manipulate it. And we're trying, come on now, I'm preaching better than you're responding today. Come on, we try. Here's something you need to realize. I think this will set you free today. Maybe it won't. Maybe it will make you even more worried. 
Here's what you need to realize today. You're not in control and you never have been. Amen. Come on, turn to your neighbor and say, you're not in control and you never have been. Who's in control? God. God's in control. Come on, God is in control. So why do I try to exercise power that's never been mine in the first place? Why do I try to control situations and manipulate when, hey, he's the one that needs to be in control. You see, when I give control to God in my life, that's when I can have comfort and peace because then I can know. Remember that crazy bumper sticker years ago, God is my co-pilot? I mean, what's up with that? Co-pilot means just in case I get trouble, they'll take over. I mean, come on. I, I, I don't want to take control of my life. God, I don't want to even be in the cockpit. Let me go back. God, you've got that. I need you to take control. Can you see what's wrong with that? God, I'll, I'll handle my life until there's a problem and then you can step in. You're not in control. You never have been. And I, Can I help you with this? God's not panicking in heaven. God's not saying, OMG. He wouldn't say OMG. He would, only, he would have to say OMM. Oh my me, because he's God. And you know what I'm talking about? He wouldn't say, oh my God, it's oh my me. And he's like, I never saw that happen. Oh my goodness, what are we going to do? Call, call the party. We need to get everyone in. I never saw that one. Come on, do you think God's ever frantically stressed out in heaven going, never saw that one coming? God's got it all planned. God's got it all taken care of. And see, the birds and the flowers, you are worth more than them. And if God can take care of them, he can take care of you. Come on, I said he can take care of you. So, Pastor, what are you saying? Are you saying that we'll ever get to a place where we are totally free from worry? I'm, I'm not even sure if that's humanly possible. But I know the place we can get to when we begin to recognize those things and see them for what they are. And we begin to say, hold on a second, God, I'm going to trust you with this. And we can begin to turn them over to God quicker and recognize and do something about them. Because then we can start focusing in on God's promises and let him handle the rest. I've got a great idea for you all. Is that cool? Yeah. Got a great idea for you. I think every one of you should get what I call a trust God box. Come on, I know some of you may say, well, I don't have a box. Yeah, you do. Amazon probably delivered five of these to your doorstep this week. If you're like our house, I mean, my God, what did we do without Amazon? I mean, come on. But here's my box. Look, no worries allowed. No worry allowed. Casting all your cares upon him. He cares for you. 1 Peter 5, 7. Give it to God. Trust in God box. That's my, that's my trust in God box. So here's what I want you to do. Are you ready? I want you to make one of those. And I want you to take some pieces of paper and you begin to write what you're concerned about. Maybe it's you. Your kids. Anyone got any concerns when it comes to your kids? Kelly and I are going some things with our kids right now. It's been a tough few years. But you know what? God is still faithful. And you know what I want you to do? I want you to take that and write it down. And I want you to put it in the box. What else are you worried about? 
some of you it's maybe your finances. You've got more month than no. You know what I'm talking about? I want you to take that. God, I'm trusting. God, I'm giving it to you. Because what you are doing is you are saying, God, it's now your property. I, I, I release it. You're now saying, God, I give you responsibility for that thing. It's yours. God, you're in control. I'm not. I never have been. And God, I trust you with that. That, that. That's what I want you to do. And then you're not allowed to worry about it. Because, Bill, if you start worrying about your kids, I want you to go over to that box. And I want you to take your kids out of that box and hold on to it because you're either trusting God with it or you're not. Come on now, you've got to see this. You've got to grasp this. Oh, but I've given it to God. Well, why is it in your hands? Because you're worried about it. You, you hold on to it and see what good you can do. See, see how that's helping your kids. No, you've you got to put it back. Come on. I, I've got one of these boxes and I've been putting some things in there and I've been reminding myself, God, it's in the box. It changes the way I pray. Why? My kids are still having some issues, but now I'm saying, God, I've trusted you with them. And God, I know that you're able to do it. I know you're able to take care of it. God, I don't want it, but you can handle it. You can take care. Come on, is it in your hands or is it in the box? It can't be in two places at once. Well, we'll, we'll kind of share it, God. No, no, it's got to be in one or the other. It's a great object lesson to do. So many people in our church came up to me and said, Pastor, I've got my box. I said, great, me too. Put it in there. Trust God. Here's the last part of the message. I need to end because the oven was on high, so we need to get it. <laughs> The first part is what I cannot change. Quit the what ifs. Settle my mind beforehand. Replace the thoughts with God's promises. And the last thing, give it to God. But here's the second part of the message. What I can change. Say with me, can change. I want to shift from what I'm worried about that I cannot do anything about to worrying about the things I can do something about. The, the, the ones where the solution partially lays within my hands. It's in my control. We don't stop trusting God with those things and we still pray and we ask God for wisdom and guidance. But listen to me. There's something that's required of us and that is this. We've got to take action. We've got, we've got to take action for those things. You know, many of us are worrying about things that we have the power to do something about right now, but we just don't. Well, I'm just trusting God with that. Well, that's great. You keep trusting God with that, but he gave you some hands and feet to be doing something about it. Come on, I'm going to step on your toes right now. Is that okay? Come on, I'm going to come for you right now. What I, well, let me show you what I mean. If you're worried about money, do something about your debt. I mean, I know that sounds so simple, but it's, it's so true. Every, everyone's wanting plastic surgery where they're getting stuff like pulled back and Lose those craw feet or whatever they call them and, and what's sucked and tucked and everything put in place. But you know the greatest plastic surgery you can do is cut up your credit card. That's plasticsurgery.com right there. You worry about debt but yet you're overspending. You're not on a budget. You're not handling what you've got. I know some of you like coffee but you know what? You can buy a bag of coffee for the price of almost what you'll pay 
for one coffee at five bucks. That's what it is. It's not Starbucks, it's five bucks. Because at least every time you go, it's five bucks. Everyone know what I'm talking about? One drink, five bucks. You can buy enough coffee for a month of what, well, I just like to stop on my way to work. Well, praise God, change your routine. Huh? Take your coffee with you. Pull over on the side of the road and read your Bible for two minutes and pretend you're ordering Starbucks. How's that? <laughs> I mean, seriously, though, do something about it. I know that they've offered classes here in this church on, on Dave Ramsey. That's an incredible class. Go through it. You, you can educate yourself. But don't worry about something that's within your power. You've got to cut the bleeding. Quit spending. Take control. Come on, if you don't have a job and you don't have no income, get a resume. It's a good place to start. I mean, make yourself look presentable. I mean, find some deodorant and brush your hair, for goodness sake. You know, I've got people tell me all the time, Pastor, I'm looking for a job. I say, well, how's that going? Well, I'm still praying about it. Well, have you been out there? No. And I'm like, well, duh. I mean, maybe that's why you don't have a job. Have you ever thought about that? Come on, we're waiting for God to do something. It's in our power. What about this? People are worried about Secret sins and unconfessed sins. <gasps> what if they find out? Do something about it. Come clean. Repent. Change. Don't live having to look over your shoulder with a guilty I mean, come on, for goodness sake. What about this one? You know I'm going to go there. I'm going to turn around so I don't look at anyone. <laughs> what if you're worried about your weight? One thing I've realized is this, you know, when people say you've got to get in shape, I've realized that Rand is a shape too. You know what I'm talking about? Rand's a shape too. But here, listen, listen, people are so worried about losing weight. Put down the fork. And that doesn't mean pick up the spoon. I'm talking about put it all down. You know Exercise. Get in a routine. Do something. Well, I'm worried I'm going to have a heart attack. Do something about it. I'm worried about my diabetes. Do something. And I'm not trying to be insensitive. But what I'm trying to say is, do something. Take action for your worries. Do it and do it with God's wisdom and power. Look at this statement. This was something when I was preparing this message. It was just dropped into my spirit. Don't wait for God to do something that he's waiting on you to do. Amen. Well, I'm just waiting on God. Well, that's great. Huh? Maybe God's waiting on you. Maybe he's served it up and it's time for you to hit it back. James 2.26. I love to have a verse to back everything up because then you can't just look at me and say you're crazy. Just as the body is dead without breath. Faith is dead without good works. Come on, the body needs breath to live. Your body needs good works. You need to walk it out. You need to have the action that you need in your life. John or whoever, if you could come back. Let me read one more scripture to you today. Philippians 4, 6 and 7. Be anxious for nothing, but in everything. Say with me, everything. By prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests. What, what's your worries? What's your concerns today? What's your needs today? That's your requests. 
You've got to make them known to God. You, you, you've got to give them to God. And verse 7 says, And the peace of God, which surpasseth all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds through who? Through Christ Jesus. Look at me right now. You've got to picture this. You know who wrote that verse, Paul? But I'm here to tell you, Paul wasn't on a beach in Hawaii when he wrote that. Paul wasn't on the mountains of Tennessee, loving it, chilling, relaxed. Paul was in a Roman dungeon, a prison cell, waiting for his execution. But yet he wrote those words. I want to read them out again from another translation, and I want us to think about that. Because if anyone had an opportunity in their life to say, God, you failed me. God, I trusted you and you let me down. That could have been Paul in those moments. But in the lowest time of his life, what did he begin to say? He began to say these words. He said these. He says, don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. Tell God what you need and thank him for what he's done. Then you will experience God's peace. When do you experience God's peace? When you give it to Him. When you trust Him with it. Then you'll experience God's peace that will guard your hearts and your minds as you live in Christ Jesus. Come on, what have I got to do? I've got to give it to Jesus. I've got to let Him have control. Give it to Him. Give it to Him. Because here's what Paul just told us. Are you ready? He said, you've got to pray about everything and worry about nothing. You've got to pray about everything and worry about nothing. Because we can give it to a heavenly father that's not like any other father on this earth. So one last statement and then I'm going to close. This is how I began today. Worry is the sin of distrusting the promise and the power of God. But notice what's been added for your life. For your life. Are you distrusting the power and the promises of God and His ableness for your life? Would you bow your hands all over this place? I wonder today as a show of hands, and now we can laugh about it. Some people say, well, I'm worried about lifting. I wonder how many people in here as every head is bowed and every eye is closed would lift up the hand and say, Pastor, you, you, you preached to me today. I, I needed that today. I needed that today. That hit me. I, I need something out of that message. I, I'm going to take something home from that message because I need that. Can we all stand all over this place? Those of you who lifted up your hands, here's what you want. I want you to do. I want you as a step of faith in a few moments as John and then begin to sing. Here's what I want you to do as a step of faith. I want you to step out of where you're at. And I want you to come to the front. And don't come right now, but when you do come, I want you to come at the front. And I want you to leave whatever it is right now that's, that's bothering you, that you're concerned, that you're worried about. I want you just to give it to God. 
Come on, I want you to come and I want you to surrender to God. And I want you in your own words to release that thing. I want you to say, God, right now I give you my kids, I give you my health, I give you my future, I give you everything. Come on, all over this place, would you just begin to come as they just begin to worship God? Would you just begin to come? Come on, you lifted up your hands. Come on, we're surrendering it to God. We're trusting God with that thing. We're giving it to God all over this place. Come on, Jesus, hallelujah. Come on, Jesus, we're giving it to you. Come on, Jesus, I'm surrendering it to you, God. I'm laying it at your feet. Come on, just begin to confess that thing right now. Come on, God, my finances, my health. distrusting your promises and power for our life, for my life. Because God, I'm not just going to read about those things. They're for me. They're for my home. They're for my family. They're for my future. God, I'm going to grab a hold of them today. I'm going to trust you with those things. God, I'm going to cast it on you. God, I'm not going to just drop it and pick it up again. God, when I find myself beginning to worry about it again, that's going to be the alarm clock to begin to pray and say, God, hold on a second. I gave it to you, Jesus. And God, I'm going to trust you with that. I'm going to trust you with that. I'm going to trust you with that. I'm not trying to impose on anyone, but if you are able just to lift your hands, can we do that as a universal sign of surrender? Come on, can you begin to say, God, I give it to you. 
Come on, can you begin to say, I surrender it to you. I yield it to you, God. God, I thank you that you are above and beyond able, God. You are able to do it, God. You are able. Come on, I am chosen. Yes, God. I am chosen. There's a lesson that we need to learn there. Sometimes we need to rejoice in someone else's miracle on the way to our miracle. Come on, sometimes we need to get our focus off of ourselves because we can get so into ourselves that we don't see the needs of other people. But can we just begin to reach out and just pray for each other? Come on, hallelujah. Nine people saved in our recovery ministry just this past Friday. Isn't that fantastic? 
And they had a barbecue. I mean, people got saved at a barbecue. But what am I saying today? Two things you need to know today. But secondly, you need to be telling your friends. Because if there are not people getting saved every week, it's because we're not inviting them and bringing those to church. And that's something every week we need to be asking, spreading the word. Come on, even if they just came for the breakfast here, that was worth it today. You know what I'm talking about? Great breakfast. But I want to pray for those of you who maybe would lift up your hand with me and say, Pastor, I, I don't really know. I want to make sure I'm right with God. Maybe for the first time or maybe a rededication, they're just as important. Making it right with God. Is there anyone that would lift up your hand and say, Pastor, would you pray for me? Yes, Thank you, sweetheart. Thank you, sir. It's awesome. Fantastic. Is there anyone else that would lift up their hand? Thank you, sweetheart. That is awesome. Awesome. Anyone else today that would say, would you pray for me? Would you pray for me? Would you pray for me? Come on. If you could, could you just come down the front with me? Can you make your way? Can you do that? Can you come? That's awesome. Fantastic. What's your name, sweetheart? Jennifer. So honored to be here. Come on. So honored to be here. Just think about this. All of heaven is rejoicing just over you today. And you're not the only one. You're not the only one, but you're special. What's your name, sir? Rowan? Awesome. God loves you, my man. Praying for you because you've got to cook the breakfast next week. Yes, you've got a tough order to follow after that one today. Peggy, we're going to pray. Is there anyone else that would like to come at the front and join us? You want to? Or? Cool, cool. Come up, come up with me. Come up with me. That's awesome. It's awesome. Can we have some ladies just put some arms around Jennifer right there and just love on her too? Peggy. Sweet Peggy. Here's how we like to do it in our church. Because just like here, we're a big family, aren't we? Aren't we all a family?